who do I not know there that I should know of? And that really drives us to find new voices that, you know, they're highly recognized and people are talking about their work and highly respected when as we're doing our research. And that is where we're really applying the research. Yeah, so that's where the research comes in, in that we're constantly having to research who are the women in design doing significant work. It's not a chore. It's not something they're like, oh, we need to find women. It's, it's amazing to always have to be on the lookout for who's doing the work and how are they doing it and where. On this episode of Design Dedux, Bryony Gomez, Palacio, and Armin Witt, originally from Mexico City, are graphic designers and co-founders of Under Consideration, a design firm and blog publishing enterprise. The duo has worked in the industry for well over a decade, and they have experience ranging from book and magazine design to branding, programming, web design, and so much more. Their work has been recognized in many award-winning publications and numerous books. We are honored to have this duo with us on this episode of Design Dedux Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Design Dedux Podcast. Today we've got some very special guests. I think I say that every time I, I start a podcast. I'm like, we have special guests. We have the best guests. We have these amazing guests. But, I mean, if, if that's how it's going, that's how it's going. And today it's no different. Um, Bryony and Armin are with us uh, from Under Consideration, and uh, they're going to be talking to us a little bit today about women of design and their book uh, entitled the same, uh, and kind of talk to us a little bit more about um, moving in this direction of a documentary film on the same topic. So it's really um, an honor to have you guys uh, sit down and chat with us a little bit and share your thoughts and feelings uh, with our guests. But before we get started... I'd love to get a little brief background um, on you guys and talk about your involvement in graphic design, design history, and uh, current roles and, and what you're doing. Well, um, it's going to be a little hard to narrow 20 years um, into Yeah, for sentences. sure. But we're both born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, we ended up moving to Atlanta so that I could attend school at Portfolio Center, and that kind of started the spiral of what happened next when we first started working in Chicago we realized you know Chicago winters are really cold and so we started to speak up on the side as our side project instead of hanging out in the streets and that was the first design blog out there that led to a lot of discussions online about graphic design and the status of graphic design and what was happening in conferences and things like that and through there obviously there was a lot of uh, conversations about the women of design and, you know, represent female representation on, on the stage at the conferences and books and various um, platforms, if you may. And it was 2000, Christmas of 2005, we were literally in a cab going to Mexico to visit grandparents, uh, all of our families. And we were talking about this while stuck in traffic and we thought you know what let's prove to everybody that you know all of these amazing practicing women are out there and so we kind of came up with the idea of the book of women of design yeah and at the time i think uh, we might be getting a little bit too ahead of the questions by going in depth about this issue about the how the book came to be but we'll just go with it uh, since we're on that track um, so yeah, so then we, so we were in the cab and we we're like, let's come up, let's do this book. And we approached 
How Books um, and Emily Potts, uh, who was the editor, not the editor, one of the editors at the time. We had worked with her prior. And we just showed, we explained the idea and uh, it was really at the time because there was so much discussion about this, not just on Speak Up, but on other uh, websites and uh, uh, magazines at the time. It was a, a hot button issue and they approved it almost immediately and we got to work on that. Um, so yeah, so uh, after that we... Well, but, but at that point we had moved to New York and we were working from home. We had kind of formalized um, under consideration on its own. And we started doing all of these interviews. We included 72 women in it. And it took about two years to put this book mm -hmm. together. And right. Sorry, I'm just backtracking because Emily Potts oh, sure. was at Rockport... Uh, where we decide, where we did graphic design reference, uh, how books, uh, it was with Grace, like Grace Ring, Ring and, and Amy. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So I, just, I, I was curious about that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. I was, I was curious about that, but yeah, it's, it's, that's fine. It, uh, it's, good it's good that we're not in the business of publishing book, of <laughs> design publishing anymore because we'll be fired right now. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so how long have, so both of you have been involved in education. Is that correct? Um, briefly, yes. Briefly, when we yeah. were in New York, we we did teach a portfolio class at the School of Visual Arts, um, and I do a lot of lecturing and a lot of like workshops and practice um, and and things with students around the country. Mm -hmm. Armin, not so much. Uh, I guess my uh, mothering nature comes in a little bit more. I I thoroughly enjoy talking to students for hours on end, especially more than presenting to them, just walking through them and talking to them about alternative career paths and how to approach, you know, cross paths in life that will steer you one way or another. And I think if we haven't been in traditional, in the traditional education system, I think through the blogs, uh, first through Speak Up and then through Brand New, it's a different kind of education. Not that we're imparting lessons um, of, you know, the, in the same way, but I think we are, uh, in a way, sharing our professional experience with anyone who wants to to read it. And I think uh, over the years, we've had a good number, uh, decent amount of number of students and even young designers were like, you know, well, what I've read on the blogs has been as significant or a big compliment to what I've learned on school. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I was going to actually, you know, kind of speak to that as well. And even to the fact that I've used uh, under consideration and I've used the, um, the, uh, the brand new aspect of it, um, the speak up aspect of it in my classes and used them as references for um, students to go find information and quality information. So, yeah, I, Armin, I agree with you 100 percent. You know, even though you might not be in the classroom, you know, as an educator or professor and whatever it might be, you're still educating the masses. Uh, both of you are in bringing those um, those tools to all designers so that we're you know, we're current, we're aware of the pulse and uh, kind of what's going on. So do you think you're playing a role in design history then uh, to, you know, to get a little bit more depth on that question? I think in, in a way we are um, because we, everything that we do tends to be very relevant to the time. So all of our speakers usually have something, you know, a big project that happened that year during the conferences and the content of the blog obviously is very timely. And in a way, we are creating an archive of what was happening that can be looked back on and uh, 
and referenced. Oh, that's yeah. almost a yeah. Go ahead, Armin. Yeah, I think uh, over. I mean, even when we were doing, uh, when we were sort of uh, chronicling design history in the in the books in Women of Design and Graphic Design Reference, like we always knew our place. We knew that we were not Steve Heller. We knew that we were not Phil Max. We do not have that. Um, kind of like we don't, we're, we're designers first, and uh, we just happen to be decent enough writers that we could capture, you know, some of the history of design in a way that felt uh, kind of like a, a. And and perhaps our advantage there was precisely that that we were not looking at it from an academic, you know, point of view, but more of the designer. And what is it that I want to know? What is it? What am I curious about? I was going to comment on that in this book that is relevant to me more as a designer than an educator or um, that the researcher perspective. Um, And I think that there is a big value in that voice. Right. I think that the contents of both books are very approachable. So I think that you're absolutely right that, you know, coming at it from another perspective is really um, beneficial. Uh, so yeah, so I think in a way we have contributed to it, but you know, I, I think uh, by at this point we've uh, we haven't done anything in that uh, realm, um, you know, in the sense of publishing books and capturing a moment, in, not just a moment in time, but uh, precedent to where we are. Uh, that uh, that you know, we're I think now we're more of active participants in you know helping tell current stories more than the history that and we provide content and pass on the responsibility to everybody else to decide what to do with it right oh sure sure so yeah and i think you've done that it well to yeah. grow you can choose it as entertainment you can choose it as you know you the one thing that you do every day it's up to you what you do with that content well i think you said something really um important too as you talked about um the word archive came up and i don't know the exact um context of, of, you know, what we were speaking to at the moment. But um, boy, that that made me think a lot about the work that you guys are doing. And, you know, the archiving of digital materials and stuff like that. And that's got to be a really daunting uh, task, probably worthy of another, uh, another discussion down the line. And then I also wanted to say, uh, before I pass things over to Mandy was, you know, Armin, you mentioned that, you know, you're not, um, you know, a Steve Heller or whatever that might be, but, you know, perhaps in a way, I think that you guys are, are that, and if not that currently, perhaps that's, that's where you guys will be, you know, in the near future. Uh, who knows? But uh, I digress on that conversation because I, you know, I think you guys are, are definitely worthy of that and bringing that to us in a certain, uh, certain context, a certain volume. So. Mandy. Well, definitely appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you got it. <laughs> so as we mentioned in our emails, we are working, doing right now some background research for um, a proposed upcoming documentary film on women in graphic design history, which we're calling Redesigning Her Story. And your book has really been instrumental in doing some initial background work. Um, so I thank you for it. Um, have you done any more research on this topic recently? Um, the, there's, there's a, the short answer is no, but also the short answer is yes. And it's a more practical answer. 
because uh, since we've been doing the brand new conference and then also first round, so these are two events that we've been, uh, the brand new conference we've been doing since uh, 2010. Uh, so that's a two-day conference on low identity and branding. And then first round we started doing in 2018, and that is a one-day conference where designers present their um, their first round design explorations to clients. And just to clarify, the brand new conference happens once a year, and it requires between 16 and 24 speakers on average, whereas first round happens up to four times a year, different cities. 12 speakers or 12 sessions because sometimes uh, a firm will have more than one speaker. So usually it's between 12 and 20 uh, unique speakers to each city. So we're, just to put into perspective how many speakers we're talking about when as we're doing our research as to who's going to be on that stage. And that is where we're really applying the research. Yeah, so that's where the research comes in in that we're constantly... Um, having to research who are the women in design doing significant work, not just in design, but in a particular case in, you know, identity and branding, which narrows your field a little bit tighter than just graphic design. But, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's not a chore. It's not something they're like, oh, we need to find women. It's, it's, it's amazing to, to always have to be on the lookout for who's doing the work and how are they doing it and where. And in a way, it's a little easier when we're looking at brand new conference because we're going to fly speakers from all over the world. Um, that's not an issue. But it gets really interesting, and we're loving the surprise that comes with it when we're looking at a specific city and starting to say, okay, who do I not know there that I should know of? Oh, and sure. that really that's drives amazing, us yeah. to find new voices that you know are flying right under the radar, um, at a national or international level, but for us, which means that we're not looking at them all the time, but at a local level, you know, they're highly recognized and people are talking about their work and highly respected. You know, let, let, do, do you have a plan or or do you actively search for gender equality in your speakers? I mean, like, you know, do you say I'm going to have 50% women, 50% men, or? I don't think we put a percentage percent. And specifically, but we do try to find a balance and it goes beyond gender. Um, there's several things that we try to balance and, you know, it does get challenging sometimes to achieve. And that's perhaps why we don't put a specific percentage on right. it, because then it feels like a constraint versus a goal. Right. Um, but we definitely improved over the years. I was uh, looking at the lineup for the 2000. 13 brand new conference and we literally had 11 men and one woman and you're like and, and like at the time you know the no one complained it's not that i mean maybe people just felt it but it wasn't uh, you know i think that the uh, gen, the representation in conferences really took um you know it became much more important in the last few years and from that i think from that moment on even maybe even without realizing we're like Oh, that was not good. <laughs> and I think the past five years, like we've got, we've tried to make it 50 50, but, uh, you know, it's not always possible. Sometimes it's oh, a little sure. bit more, sometimes yeah. it's a little bit less. Right, um, right. We are now, in a way, free to choose whomever we want in the sense that when we first started the conference, so 2010, 2011, the one that Armin mentioned, we still felt we needed to bring to the stage people that were highly recognizable, you know, big names that everybody knew and that 
is where the gender disparity definitely stood up um, mm, interesting, to, to yeah. the stereotype. But once we started to get the trust of our audience of saying, hey, that random person that never heard of that you brought on the stage, that was really cool. Now that percentage for us is completely flipped. We'll bring in one, maybe two big names that you already know of. And then the rest, you might not have a clue who they are. But that opens up the pool for us um, to highlight new voices. Um, yeah, right, I've got, I think it established. Yeah. Right, right. Hey, so, so I've got oh. some thoughts in my in my mind really quick here, Mandy, if you don't mind. And sure. I, I apologize. Um, let's see if I can articulate into words. That's my other challenge. Um, so, you know, you talked about the ease of finding um, plenty of women rep that would represent um, themselves in the, the subject matter of conferences and whatnot. Um, and Mandy and I are also finding ourselves in a very similar uh, place where there's there's so much opportunity for us to find such great women of design and women of graphic design, whether they're they're new uh, uh, out there in their profession or they're they were pioneers and in, in legends in the field. So, and, and I know when when putting together your your text on women of, women of graphic design, you guys kind of talked about that a little bit and. I've read some uh, reviews on uh, on the book, and you know the reviews are all outstanding reviews. Uh, but there was one review that kind of talked about it's like, well, you kind of handpick the best of the best. Um, but you guys address that even in the in the book. In I mean, this this for for the listeners and the viewers of the podcast, this thing is an exhaustive. Uh, I hope that's the right word. An exhaustive um, representation of some amazing um, designers. Um, so, I mean, we, we basically divided the book into kind of three categories, you know, the emerging designers, then those that were kind of established and then the trailblazers. And, you know, we could have included 300 people in the book, but at some time, at some point you have to stop. And even the publisher will say, this is your page count and you know, we can't <laughs> You're go done. over that. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking um, at a time frame of an hour and 20 minutes and we're like, how and who? Yeah. So, so you do have to narrow it down. And, you know, when, if people say, you know, you pick the best of the best. Yeah. We are also in a way curating what goes into the book. Um, and yeah, we can't discount the availability, for example. You know, oh, there sure. were a couple of people who said, you know, had you asked me three months ago or three months from now, maybe, but right now I'm swamped and I can't. Um, or, you know, there's, I just had a baby. This is not the right time. Um, many things can come into a schedule that, you know, maybe you want a specific person, but that's not on the cards at that point. Right. And it's also, uh, I'm not sure when that review was written. Uh, maybe it's a little bit more recent, but I think at the time when we wrote this, uh, you know, a lot of this were discoveries for, you know, whether it was Trailblazers, uh, you know, like, uh, I, I believe we included Sister Corita Kent, yeah, or I don't yeah. know if we did there in Graphic Design Reference, but, uh, you know, she's someone that her work is now widely recognized and is very popular because of uh, just the energy, the look of it and what it represented. But I think when we uh, made that first inclusion of, of her work, it, it wasn't uh, common knowledge. Um, and there's other stories like that, but I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a sense 
like now it seems like, oh, you know, those are the usual suspects. And like, of course, you're going to include such and such. But I think at the time it wasn't as clear. Right, right. right. Yeah, we're definitely kind of, um, you know, in in many discussions coming across some of those same same obstacles, same opportunities, you know. um, So it's it's tough to navigate. It it really is. But I, I think we're we're doing the best with what we can. And I know that that was exactly, you know, what's in what's in women of graphic design or women of design. It's interesting that you mentioned Sister Greta Kent because we've already been cautioned against her inclusion because um, she's been overrepresented now. In, yeah, it's yeah. interesting how the tide turns from, okay. you know, the discovering uh, an uh, not an unknown talent, but a, an underrepresented mm-hmm. talent to it becoming, oh, it's played out. Well, it's like Frida Kahlo, you know, <laughs> she's mm-hmm. everywhere <laughs> and she was an extraordinary artist. But, you know, the exposure that she gets and the following, almost cult-like following that she has all over the world does not match, you know, necessarily her talent or the talent of other people who should be having that same level of following. It happens. You, men- you, yeah. you mentioned uh, when talking about the, um, the conferences, uh, gender disparity. So I'm kind of jump ahead to that question. Um, so have the two of you working together noticed? Uh, I think it, it's pretty obvious that you have noticed a gender disparity. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I think we see it from both ways, which is uh, a slight, it, it's, a, it's a benefit in that we can see how it works on both ends of the, of the coin, where, you know, when we are choosing speakers, we try to make uh, the best effort to, you know, to close that gender disparity. But then when we get invited to conferences, and, you know, this is not a secret, I get invited more than Bryony, even though, you know, we're we're in it together we do um you know the same work we put out the same everything that we put out it's uh uh under you know the under consideration name and we're never like oh armin did this but and she he worked on it more than Bryony did and that's why he's more <laughs> awesome and why you should invite him like it's it's just interesting how you know by- I, I, and i also find every now and then i get an invitation and i look at what lineup they already have and i'm like i'm a checkbox that's it. I get it. Um, yeah, so it's um you know it's it it is a touchy subject and when when you see it, you know, play out firsthand, you know, it's a little bit discouraging, but at the same but at the same time nothing. It is just, it's just it discouraging, is, yeah. yeah. Um and I think part of it has to do with uh, and this I think this is a subject that is maybe a little bit touchy, but the fact that I am the dad and Brian is the mom, and our kids need her more than they need me. And this is like, this is not a, like a subjective thing or like our it's, kids. It's our reality. Yeah, so, so I think there's a, there's a, like Bryony sort of disappeared from, not from the face of the company, but, you know, while our kids were young, she was a mom first 75, 80% of the time and 20% of the time, you know, she worked as what she could. Um, so I think when, 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 uh, when she's sort of taken out of the equation, you know, people just or became a silent partner in yeah. a way. I, be- I, I moved to the back end of things and did, you know, the work that required little interaction with people or that could be constantly interrupted, you know, sitting down and 
copy editing for seven hours at a, at, at once was not in the cards for me for a while. Um, and so, yes, you know, like the bright, writing on brand new, I started writing on brand new, but I quickly realized that this um, posting it every day by 6.30 in the morning is right when the same kids are waking up and wanting me and this and that, and it became an impossible task. Um, and we either had to split it, like you do Monday, Tuesday, I do Wednesday, Thursday, and that, that really, you know, with kids that doesn't work. You know, it, and, and what you're bringing up, Armin, and what you're talking to, Ryan, is something that I've been curious about myself. Um, uh, I can think of some really well-known names in design um, and think, I don't think they've had children, right? So I think that they've they've had that opportunity to be present around the clock almost. Um, and I think there's several of them that may not even be um uh perhaps in a um a, a a married relationship or whatever so they've got just themselves to really kind of concentrate on and concentrate on their careers and stuff so i think that's that's an interesting point to bring up and you know we talk about how that model is changing and how there's more you know stay at home dads uh and and whatnot but maybe i don't know i mean i am incredibly lucky so when I look at our situation, we both work from home. Um, if I have a meeting, if I want to do something outside of the home, it's very easy for me to say, hey, Armin, can you take the kid to you know, the ballet lesson today or do this or do that, feed them lunch, whatever. Um, I am incredibly lucky in that sense in having him so invested and in, because we have the same goal. But I am very aware that I am a very small percentage that actually has that option um, since they were very little. I mean, he's been working from home um, since basically since, yeah, since the since the, our oldest was, was born. Um, so that has given me a lot of flexibility, but within that flexibility, you have to set some parameters or your business is not going to be successful. It's right. just not a reality to have two distracted partners um, constantly interrupted. They have to have somebody who's completely focused on that available, you know, to have that flexibility to come and go and help out, but somebody has to be focused 100%. Um, especially when kids are young, like it or not, they get fevers, they get sick, they get home, they get sent home from school. Um, you know, they, things happen and somebody has to be there to catch it all. And I even remember, I think the first time that Brian got invited to, uh, to the, uh, a talk somewhere, outside the, the <laughs> driving distance outside driving distance <laughs> that she had to fly somewhere and uh, i think uh, our oldest daughter was still pretty young she was uh, two and a half and brianie came back and she's like i hated it like i hated not being at home so i think we're like for me like i love not being at home like this is great to go to a conference so, so i think there's i think there's something like really innate to the difference between men and women which is i mean it's it's i'm captain obvious stating you know what we all know yeah. but i think uh, we you know it, to me it wasn't evident until that experience where she came back like and it wasn't evident to me either I was looking forward to that trip. I was excited, you know, get away for a little bit, go back to, you know, my previous life in a way. And I came back more surprised than anybody to say, that wasn't fun, actually. I wanted to be home. I wanted to make sure that the kid was fine, you know, and then that Arvin was fine. 
not fine in a security sense, just, you know, overwhelm, anxiety, stress, you know, that the kid is not waking up in the middle of the, mo of the night and giving Armin a hard time, just overall little things. But, you know, I was surprised at the cellular level of having to be home. Yeah. Mandy? Um, well, so just to kind of bring us back to mm -hmm. the documentary film, if you don't mind, um, what would you, what would you all like to see um, as topics for the documentary film um, of women in graphic design history? What, what relevant issues do you think need to be covered and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it just has to do with you know, seeing when and where did the, like, when did they, when did women first start making an impact in the profession of design? And, you know, I think it might be, um, you know, it might show that it's uh, 20, 10, 20, 30 years after, you know, the Paul Rand, Saul Basses of the world that, you know, they made a big impact. They established the profession, but in, you know, in that uh, kind of like, hubbub of, you know, all these amazing designers, what impact did women have uh, how, and how early that mm -hmm, we maybe mm -hmm. don't know about. And uh, and in not necessarily in an obvious way. Right, right. Because right. we, we hear about C.P. Pinellas, you know, and, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of discussion about what she's done for uh, design uh, in her work with the various magazines that she's worked on. Um, we talk about Beatrice Ward. Right. And that was what, 53, 1953 or something uh, like that. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. But it would be, it'd be great to kind of dig to see if there's something even more earlier in, uh, in design history where, where there's, you know, discussion on, on the activity there that women had with design. But yeah, I yeah, didn't I mean to I... interrupt your, uh, your flow there. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, because I think the, there's obviously, um, I think it maybe ties in with the advent of the computer in the early 1990s when all, you know, all of a sudden the tools of the trade are more accessible to everyone. You don't have to be sitting at a desk somewhere toiling away. And I think that could be an, um, an interesting uh, period to explore because I think that, you know, when April Griman, you know, uh, Bonnie Siegler, Emily Overman, um, all the you know, all the women that came up in the late 1980s and early 1990s, I think those really they really helped shape uh, design and give it a, a different uh, take from what and it had come before. And it also coincides with when graphic design is actually being taught versus you right. know architects, artists turning to graphic design as a as a, as their jobs, but the first generations of actually trained graphic designers through the School of Visual Arts, through the different institutions. What what enabled that change and what came out of it? Right, right. Right, absolutely. It does seem like technology is a, is a big leveling factor, um, but certainly education is going to have an important role as well. And I would be very curious to see like 10 years from now how COVID and the fact that everybody's working from home and a lot of people are realizing, actually, we can actually all do this from home and this is possible. Will that free up that schedule a little bit and give more flexibility to women to actually have that family and, you know, kind of split their time between the two things if they're working from home? It might not work, 
who knows? Right. But I'd be curious to see how that's going to play out. Right, because there's no longer that separation. So technology has done great things by giving us that opportunity to work remotely, right? Like you're like you're speaking of to um, when technology first came out, perhaps it gave more opportunity for for women's access to that stuff. Uh, but now it's 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 also that plus it's putting everybody back in the same rooms together. You know, as you you guys even mentioned before the podcast started that we may be visited by your children or pets or whoever it might be. And uh, I hope someone comes, comes in. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, that, that new dynamic now um, and those interruptions and, and I've even moved my home office um, back to campus because now no one's on campus. <laughs> so I, I've got a little bit more opportunity to work uh, and work hard and work solid and not have those interruptions where at home I couldn't do that anymore. But yeah, interesting, interesting topics and, you know, the, the sign of the times and, and what we'll look back to and talk about. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I work much better at home with less interruptions. Um, my coworkers yeah. interrupt me more than my family. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, other topics that are interesting is uh, just, you know, asking point blank, you know, what have you felt that has you know, stopped you from yeah. gaining the notoriety of, you know, all the men, you know, people can, I mean, designers can name, you know, a dozen different male designers off the top of their head. But then when it comes to women, like, uh, you know, it's harder. So what has, you know, when you ask, when you get someone on the, you know, a designer on the documentary, like just ask, what has, what have you felt that has been a limitation to what has hindered? But know. even before that, I would ask, you know, do you want the notoriety? Right. Because right. that is something that comes up a lot that is different between the genders that need to be recognized, that need to be patted on the shoulder and said, good job is very different for a lot of people. Hmm. So in many cases, I would say there's no craving for that. So there's not going to be something to hinder it if, that's not what they're seeking. They're seeking to do amazing job, amazing work and put it out there and, you know, live up to the hype of their clients, but not necessarily end up being a name within the industry. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying this right, but is that, or could that be a hindrance to like historians or curators? Um, you know, those people that are trying to, to document that because if, um, if there's not that willingness to kind of speak up and speak out to say, hey, look at this great work, you know, from the voice of the designer, it, is it more difficult, do you think, for the historians or the curators to kind of recognize? Yeah, yeah. for sure, because then, uh, you know, uh, the the way, you know, at least on our end right now, the way we know what people are, who, who which designers to look at are the ones who are, uh, you know, out there put, putting the work out there and, you know, going on, you know, podcasts and conferences and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Right, right. And so, yeah, when you remove yourself from that aspect, it is definitely harder to find. Um, but the good thing is that nowadays, pretty much everyone has an Instagram account. Uh, you know, the it's a lot easier to find. Um, it's a lot easier to spot good work yeah. and follow it and chase it than it used and, to be. Right, and find it and find the source right. of it, yeah. Um, uh, words of caution, like um, any wisdom that you could see uh, 
putting together your book, I, I'm sure you came across a lot of um, particular things that were things that you had to be cautious of or be aware of. So do you have any have any thoughts on what could be those areas that sticky points or potential yeah. problems? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall mm -hmm. anything um, anything being tricky or, you know, there were no conflicts of interest. I think just the fact that it was a celebration of, you know, a specific group of people's work, I think that that's enough to just uh, sort of uh, galvanize everyone about like, yeah, this is, you know, it's a celebration. We're not trying to, you know, put anyone down, raise anyone in particular up. It's just more about uh, coming together yeah. And acknowledging that you know maybe this uh, that maybe women are underrepresented in the scope of design history, so let's fix that. And I think when when you frame it that way, it's hard it's hard to find hurdles or emotional uh, conflicts or things like that. Yeah, I would say the only thing is you're gonna be constantly asked, but what about this person? Why are you not including this person? Have you looked into this person? And just you know, be aware of how you respond to that would be my suggestion um, and how you follow along all those names because you will be getting a lot of suggestions of you should look at this person and this person and this person um, mm -hmm. and making yeah, yeah. sure that, you know, no hurt feelings come out of yeah, that exclusion already... or the not following a certain name, a certain path. Yeah, um, we, we we're definitely getting a lot of that same a voice when we ask about, you know, what should we be aware of, concerns, problems, issues. Um, and that, that does come up a lot. And uh, like we talked earlier in the start of the podcast, that is a really difficult, tough thing um, um, to avoid. It's it's going to happen. Not everyone's it's, going yeah. to be available. Yeah. Uh, but in, in the same way that, you know, people don't necessarily want to be acknowledged, the same people don't want to be excluded. Yeah, right. exactly. Representation. So it's, it's yeah. a very fine balance. Exactly. In there. And I uh, uh, let me share with you a little bit. I um, so we've been talking to many different people, having the interviews, um, whether they be podcast or discussions with other um, groups of historians and whatnot. One of the questions that came up to me, and I want to see what your response is uh, with this, was directly, you know, a question to me was, "Why you? Right? Why is there?" a male talking about this and uh, you know, not necessarily what right do you have, but you know, how do you understand? What do you know on this topic and how are you, you know, what are you bringing to it? You know? So, well, as the man yeah. of the operation here, <laughs> uh, I think, I think everything is, it's valid in the sense that you're showing interest. Um, you're showing the, you have the initiative to do it. You have the, uh, you know, the impetus to do it. And I think that's more important than who does it. I think it's just a matter of uh, getting it done. Doesn't, you know, I, I, you might not be able to speak to, you know, uh, a lot of the inside yeah, the first-hand uh, experience. The yeah. and, the, and the reasoning behind it. But I think in terms of uncovering and also covering what's out there, I think that, uh, you know, you just, uh, you know, be, I think you have to be proud, not proud, but just like take ownership that, hey, I'm doing it. You know, if uh, if someone tells me like, look, there's a, 
uh, a woman with uh, you know with the same interest and she wants to do it and like hey you know uh, let's collaborate let's do it together i'll pass on what i've learned to her but if there's no one else doing it you know i think uh, your take is as important as beneficial as uh, as as of, uh, yeah. of, of, of a female yeah. counterpart yeah and i've I said this that- time and time again i'm sorry uh, time and time again i'm so thankful that i've got mandy um you know as a as a partner in crime for this uh for this endeavor. So thanks again, Mandy. You'll never hear enough of that. Yeah. And I think when we first published Women in Design, um, you know, why us? I think it it made sense to us. We were having all of these discussions on Speak Up. So it was in kind of just a transferring this conversation from one medium to another. Um, if we were to publish that book now, you know, it would be coming more from our experience of the conferences and trying to find all of these speakers and that representation. So in a way it makes sense that it's us either then or now, but it could apply to anybody. It could be anybody who's organizing events who is having discourse online about the topic. Absolutely. Yeah, Mandy, go ahead. I have um, just another question that's a little bit perhaps off topic for you. Um, I, I initially found your book Design Reference and have absolutely loved it. I think it's a great resource for my students. I encourage them to buy it or, you know, I've even been known to buy copies and give them to students. Um, and that actually is what led me to find your book, uh, Women of Design. I, it, you know, I, I loved it so much. I was like, what else have they written? Um, but ultimately, I want to know why did you choose? Why did you take on writing books? Like, what what benefit have you found that? What value is research and writing for designers generally? Uh, I think it's about satisfying uh, a curiosity about where your profession came from and getting to know more about the people behind the amazing work that we use as reference points you know, for comparing things, for saying like, oh, this is as great as the I Love New York logo, or it's not as great as it, whatever it is. I think it's a, it's about, uh, you know, getting to know a little bit more than just uh, what's on the surface. Um, but it, but also giving it a tangible outlet, you know, not just... Internalizing uh, Yeah, it. internalizing all this information and using it for yourself and maybe somebody that works with you, you know, as you share it on the day-to-day, but giving it a, an outlet and providing ourselves with a goal of and, and, and challenge. Can we actually pull this off? Can we do it? Um, and, you know, we did, but it, and it was a hard, very hard work. We realized, you know, when we were looking, for example, at the, at the deadlines and stuff, you can design for 16 hours a day without a problem, but you cannot write and edit cohesively and have something make right. sense the next day for 16 hours straight. And so there was a lot of learning that came with it that, we thoroughly enjoyed after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, when you're doing it, there's no, I, mean, I, I don't remember having a sense of joy, you know, like, it would, like I'm researching, yeah, like it never felt like that. Right? Every like, now and then we would find something yeah. interesting and we would, you know, have a little moment there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whenever you, you were put in touch, whenever we were able to make contact with, you know, someone from the 60s and they still had their, you know, some sort of object that they could scan and send you a digital copy, you were like, oh my God, I can't believe we actually got a copy of this artifact that no other book has. So th- yeah. there were moments of joy, but I think there's a, there's a 
it's not a really, it's not a, uh, you know, like when you're designing, there's a sense of like you're making, you're doing, you're exploring and things like that. But with writing, I never felt that. But I think with, when you have the end product, I think that's when it, when the satisfaction comes in like, hey, you know, there, now there's this document that, you know, it's not a, it's a, it, sh it showcases something that other people can learn from in the way that we've learned from it and that it influences our work. Right, right. So the, the, is, is there a deeper value? Is that the value, you know, the value of research and, and, and writing? Is it internal value? Is it external value? At least for me, I like to give. Okay, I don't like to just acquire things and keep them, um, be it objects, be it information, be it anything. I like circulating things. So for me, it's the fact that we can provide something. So, for example, graphic design reference, you know, students love it. And our goal was to give you, you know, enough information to have a conversation in a bar about any given topic related to graphic design. And if you wanted to get more information, you know, we kind of gave you um, paths to follow to get more, deeper into any particular subject. But it's just the giving. It's all of a sudden I can provide all of this information or I can provide this event or whatever it is that we're doing. It's about giving to somebody else. Any yeah, think, plan? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, like even with a brand new, with a blog, like, again, when I'm writing these things at, you know, 530 in the morning, which is when I write most of them, like, it's not a party in my brain like i'm not like i, I don't have and I, there's no sense of uh, emotional fulfillment as i'm doing this but the moment that it gets published and people are reacting to it like that's where that's where the uh, the excitement comes from like oh people are either agreeing with me disagreeing with me they're adding to the conversation and, and i think that's where uh, where the real joy comes in and it comes even more the farther you go in time in the sense of when people come in and say, hey, I've been reading brand new for the last five years and this is what I got out of it. Or I've been going to the brand new conference now for seven years and this is what I got out of it and this is how I use it on a daily or you know yearly basis. That that actually provides joy. Yeah, I still hear from... actually see the impact. I still hear from some of my students that still tell me that or they'll they'll message me. Hey, did you see the the recent story or the recent logo comparison on brand new or you know speak up and this and that? So they're still like referencing it, which is fantastic. Um, small side note about how you're talking about being able to uh, you know go to a bar and talk about have enough reference material, we can have a conversation you know about design, which is which is funny because to all designers that's exactly what we would do, but to everyone else in the world they're like what. Which which reminds me, like collecting artifacts. I just finally got my hands on a um, a Dylan Greatest Hits that still has the original post, the Glazer poster in it, in pristine condition. So nice. we had a that arrived, and we had friends over to the house, and I told my wife, "Oh, I got to go get that album," and and she's like, "Oh no, here we go." And my friend's a designer as well, so we got the vinyl out, and we're, we're like gawking over the poster, and you know, you know, talking about. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Milton, take some students up to his studio and talk. And, and here we are talking about, yeah, I got to meet him and all this other stuff. But his, his uh, girlfriend was thinking like, oh, you got to meet Bob Dylan. That was amazing. And we're like, no, no, I got to meet Milton Glaser. And they're like, well, who the, you know, what, what are you talking about? It was, it was, uh, it was funny. It was funny. Sorry. 
So any any plans to write any more books in the coming future, the near future? Not at this point. Um, we have lots of ideas. You know, we keep saying, oh, we should do a book about this. We should do a book about that. Um, but the reality is that right now our schedule just doesn't allow it because it does require so much time, um, especially the research part and contacting people and um, that we just cannot pull it off, not with everything right. else that we have. Yeah, I think when we first did it, I think we were exploring what we were good at, kind of like figuring out what our place in the industry was. And I think now that we've found a different way of contributing to the industry in a way that is very satisfying, that pays the bills, because book publishing, self-publishing is hard. Publishing with publishers, not always enjoyable. Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's not the... It's not the the clearest path to uh, emotional and financial success. Um, yeah, I don't discount it. Like we would do something further down the line when we don't have kids at home and college tuitions to think about. Um, but but it would, it's, it's, yeah, but I think having found this other uh, the, the different venues that you know, brand new the blog, brand new the conference, first round the conference, and now a podcast. Uh, I think now we found different ways that are. Um, you know, uh, more sustainable day to day, uh, even though they're, uh, you know, 24 seven, not 24 seven, but it's every day, <laughs> 23 to, seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still, a little, it feels more, it feels like it, we can contribute more that way than through a book, uh, which is not to, not to uh, take away any of the benefits of book publishing and design history. But, you know, at this point we might not be the best for it. Um, or cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask a, a question really quick to Armin, uh, before we wrap things up. Um, I think you've in, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the past you've been known to kind of speak your mind, uh, and, and just say the way you, you think and feel about things, um, for young designers, you know, let's let's leave them a message. And and Brian, I think you you can speak uh, to this as well. Um, the voice of a young designer. You know, what should they be thinking about as they're you know leaving design school and they're headed out there and and trying to get their their foundation and their their footing and start their careers. Yeah, I think uh, when I look back at the stuff that I wrote back then, I, I think it's great when you're ignorant of your own ignorance and you believe that what you're saying is right and true and you have all this sense of overconfidence in what you're saying that you are you know a genius and that which is what i felt at the time at, at the time i felt like oh i am you know i have so many great things to say that no one has said them in this way but looking back it's like you were just being an angry young you know naive know it all and uh but the the moral of that is i think you know just be confident in your voice and what you have to say discover what what that voice is by speaking up and i think uh you know the the when we started speak up which was all about speaking up i think having me putting something out there and then having a hundred other people 
reply to it in either positive, negative, or whatever way it was, I right. think that will inform what I do, how I write now and how I think now, which is a lot more evolved than what it was back then. Yeah, um, It took 20 years, but yeah. Yeah, it took 20 <laughs> years to really figure out that it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just about speaking up, but about, you know, speaking up with value. And I think I didn't yes. do that at the time. But again, I think having that uh, over-exalted sense of confidence, which, you know, which I had at the time, I think that just gave, it didn't make me fear what I said. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Now, looking back, like, why did you say such things? Well, there's, well, there's <laughs> a value, whether speaking up, saying right or wrong, opinionated or not, whatever it might be starts the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And having seen most of it, you know, from the side, even though I've, I, I participated in all of this, but in speaking into about Armin's voice in particular, I, I'd say that, you know, he went on some rants at the beginning, sparked that fire, but he's also been very good in that growth over the years to say, whoa, backtrack, you are right. I was wrong. I, you know, I don't take it back, but I modify my thinking. I take, you know, I take a different avenue. He has not shied from admitting, you know, certain things here and there of saying, yep, I went on Be my rant. Open. I had my opinion, but I also listened. And guess what? Now I'm, I'm, I'm on your side or I agree with you or whatever, however you want to label it. Um, and that's where the respect for the opinion comes in. Exactly. I was going to say that's a very admirable trait that a lot of young designers should practice more, right? There's more about observation and listening than there is sometimes about um, just, you know, speaking and, and saying this is how I feel about something, which is just as, just as important, just as valuable. Yeah, but, and it's very easy to speak, speak your mind and walk away and leave a mess behind you. Um, and that's not something that I have seen. It's more of a, okay, let's have a conversation, a real conversation. Right. And that has led to his being, being able to be super opinionated and that opinion actually being validated and respected because of that constant communication and back and forth. Definitely. And that's something that I've admired from all the work that you guys are doing with uh, under consideration uh, brand new speak up the podcast all all the work so um i greatly appreciate it so don't change anything about you guys just just keep being you it's amazing i love it thank you yeah appreciate it mandy anything else um i just want to say thank you for joining us today i really appreciate your thoughts your insight and of course the work you've done without a You're doubt welcome. Yeah. Hey, where can guys follow? Uh, where where can people follow you guys? Uh, social media, websites. Go ahead and lay it all out there. But I'm also going to throw some stuff in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I think the main uh, the main uh, point of access is underconsideration.com uh, online. From there, you can follow all the different things that we're doing uh, on social media. We're on, at uh, Instagram yeah. and Twitter. Twitter yeah. at UCLLC. And then individually, we're both, we're uh, Armin Vit, all one word, and Bryony GP, to um, keep it simple. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah we're, we're there. You know, we're, we're a Google search away. A Google search. That's it, exactly, right? At least if not on the first page, you'll find a lot more on the following pages for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I've had a great conversation. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. It means so much to Mandy and I for you guys 
um, talking with talking to us about this topic, about our endeavors with the uh, documentary film. And uh, we hope to reach out to you guys and talk with you guys further about this topic when the opportunity uh, arrives. We'll be here. Yeah, definitely. Good luck with the project. I, I can't wait to see the final result. Yep. Thank you. No pressure. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. You guys have a great, uh, great rest of your day. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you too. All right. Bye. See you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. The Design Dedux podcast can be found at designdedux.com. That's D-E-S-I-G-N-D-E-D-U-X.com where you can listen to the podcast or watch the video version of the podcast, as well as find links to the guests and the topics discussed during each episode. The Design Dedux podcast can be found on most podcast listening platforms. You can join us on social media through Instagram and Twitter via at design underscore dedux on Facebook as Design Dedux Podcast and join us on YouTube at Design Dedux for video versions of each episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, you can show your support on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash design underscore dedux. Once again, thanks for joining us and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.